Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Music Challenge Podcast, where every week, three music-loving friends sit down and talk brass tacks about the music that has touched our lives. This season on the Music Challenge Podcast, we'll be talking about our formative four, the four albums that set us on our personal musical journeys. Where did your musical journey begin? Let us know who your formative four are. We'll be featuring listener selections along the way, and we just may feature your groundbreaking music grails. The albums that started it all for you and what you're listening to now. Let us know what we're missing out on and what we can be listening to. Email us at musicchallengepod at gmail.com or slide into our DMs at musicchallengepod on Instagram. Keep your eyes and ears peeled for weekly episodes featuring some of the most influential albums of our past, present, and future. And now, without further ado, let's jump into the latest episode of the Music Challenge Podcast. All right, I just want to say right now a little thanks for joining us on the Music Challenge Podcast. Hey, guys. Hey, I, got, I have Jed, who is Zooming to my left. Hello. I don't really know how that works. I'm, I'm in the, the desert. Guys. And yes, Jed is sitting uh his background with a Joshua tree in the desert. And uh, we got Rob here, who is uh, in a giant weed warehouse somewhere. Yes, I am. Hi, guys. I'm backed up by some massive colas. You're backed up. All legally grown, yeah. I believe, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in any case, uh, so hey, have you guys, uh, what have what you guys been watching? What have you been listening to? Let's play What's on the Box. What's on the Box? Um, What's on the Box? Oh, uh, I will. Uh, I'll Jake, I'll jump ahead. in. I was uh, well. I've listened to the album that we're going to be talking about today a couple times over the last few days. But you know, I know it like you know back of my hand anyway. But it's still good to to refresh for before one of these. And uh, absolutely. But yeah, other than that, what have I been listening to? The new Fish album, like it's like uh, it's called Sigma Oasis. They came out with it like right when this whole catastrophe thing started and uh you know fish albums are fish albums not not everyone's favorite cup of tea most of the time uh even us fans but uh this one is pretty delightful it's it's think so i gotta admit it's probably seem like they said the other ones I don't. Right. I think it's just it, it's like it's very like, calming. It's very calming. Like it feels like an album. It's not a, a bunch of songs. And uh, right. yeah, it's not. I mean, can I, I? Yeah, I would. Do you mind if I equate it to? Oh, something? I would love. I would love to hear people's opinions. Uh, so when, like, what really got me heavy into Fish too, and I remember when this went down, you were pretty young, but Billy Breeze came out. You might remember this, Drew. And peep, there was a pretty big buzz about it. And to this day is a studio album by Fish, which is not their uh, format, it will say. Um, there's a few of them that stick out. Uh, Junta, um, Junta, Rift, Junta, sorry, Rift, um, Billy Breeze. And then I think this one kind of falls into that category. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I dig it, Jed.
I think it was something that like they needed to they needed to figure out. I mean, they produced like four or five albums since they've been back together, like including one mm-hmm. as a you know Scandinavian synth band or whatever. But uh, yeah. you have to count that. Um, I mean, just, just I mean, ignore that. That's one. fine. I mean, you know, it's kind of just like it was just an extension of the joke, really. Uh, that joke that you didn't get. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. All right. So, I guess everyone has to hear this story. Uh, it, I don't know if anyone's at all into the band Fish. Uh, actually, Jed, why don't you? Of course, why, they why are. Why don't you tell this story? Well, I mean, the band for, for like famously, pretty famously, the band Fish always puts on like a musical costume for Halloween. So they did Talking Heads. They've done like you know just a whole bunch of people over the years. Velvet, Velvet Underground, Underground, Loaded, The Who, who um, which I just had. The Beatles. And so they, I think they were getting kind of bored. They were getting a little bored with that format, and uh, they had, they did they did a great. Um, is it called chilling? The chilling, thrilling tales of the haunted house, which was like Halloween sounds produced by Disney or something at one time or another. It was an album. It was, it was an album that was put out by Disney in the late sixties. Yeah, it was just like, like uh, haunted house sound effects. They, they redid. They that? redid that a few years ago. I think I'm blanking on the year. 2014. Yeah, 1415. In the somewhere studio? In there. No, they did it for for their Halloween oh, yeah, for, their, for costume. their costume. Okay. But like there's there have been some really great things that came out of that over the years. And uh oh for sure. I was at one. But then moving on after that, they they were they I think they were just done with doing other people's albums, but they couldn't figure out how to like how to worm it in and like make it a gag because they're you know, they're they're pranksters. So Absolutely. they were uh they they like let it leak that they were covering this like super obscure Finnish band, Finnish band, like no one were. Is it Finnish? I think it was I, I, uh, Norwegian, Norwegian. Actually, Norwegian. Okay, but, yeah. um, Scandinavian, and uh, but like no one was ever going to know the album. It was never produced. It was like it's you know there were a couple like you know there was just like they they let out little little secrets here and there. I mean, really, it was the playbill at, when they started handing out like people got to the arena, they handed out the playbill that said it was this band. Kazat Vox. Exactly. Yes. Kazat Vox. Whatever the fuck. I I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, So people are hopping on the internet right away when they get in the arena to see who the hell is this band that obviously no one's heard of because of the joke that I don't know yet. So... And continues uh, so this to not know that set of fish. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're trying to say? So, true. Is this just a fucking horrible decision they made, or one of the no, horrible decisions? What I'm actually saying is, what they did is they took on the pseudonym of another band, of a band that they made up. But the the thing is, oh. the whole idea was the fact that they were, you know, the story was that this band was actually an, an old inspiration of Trey's that he found the tape of on the bottom of his car. And you know, and they like found it, and he and Fishman used what? used to listen to it back in the day on tour and everything. And so there's a story behind it. They put they put a story behind it. They put a Twitter handle behind it. They put a scant amount of information so people found it, like on the internet as they were entering the arena. And I know enough now that you know you can actually watch in real time as people 
discover the gag. <laughs> well, well, no, not discover the gag. Like actually add to the gag. Realize what the fuck was yeah, going down. Add to the gag as they get real bits of information on the internet. <laughs> and like, congratulations to the fish for covering our album. And then, you know, whatever. <laughs> it, it, to the fish. But, but so, okay, here here's the joke. Well, here the joke was, you know, I don't know what the joke was. Was, was that um, the joke was was that it wasn't a real band, like this was a made up band that they you know had put a whole backstory to whatever. However, three days later, what? three days later, I don't know that yet. <laughs> I still think okay. I still think they covered a band called Kazat Vox or whatever it was. <laughs> so and the thing is i i was at a party and had been conversing about the concert for over an hour and then jed finally looked at me and said you don't know the joke do you and i'm like what joke classic <laughs> and the thing is it's so mean it's so mean like like steve siegel would just be rolling in the bone dung right now he was That's he's my oldest friend at u of i but and a huge humongous fish fan and has seen him in every situation that all of us would want to see yeah, when i went to europe in 97 i mean he's pretty much been to the top of the mountain and you know absolutely and, and everything else in between kind of switched over to widespread because he's met his wife that way whatever yada yada so you know we're, we're recording now. and, and <laughs> let's let's touch on wide let's touch on widespread for just a moment okay um they that band so i saw them once with what was his name hauser yeah yeah My, mikey yes i, I saw it too. i was I might, yeah, probably right I next to you too. I was it, was, it, was my, it was it was good it, that's what I can. That's what I can tell you. But as soon as I heard Jimmy Herring join the band, I've seen him probably four times since because he is one of the greatest living fucking Almond Brothers who wasn't an Almond Brother but was an Almond Brother that ever lived. I mean, that guy looks like, like an Almond Brother. If the brother. Almond Brothers hired they, Steve Vai, there you go. <laughs> that's a good. That's a, like they had a freaking baby. That dude doesn't miss a note. Jimmy Herring is amazing. He is amazing. I've, I've seen him in a couple different incarnations. Um, ARU, his solo gig with half ARU, and uh, obviously then widespread. He's unbelievable. Yeah, agreed. Um, so, so, so back to um, what's on the box, right? Do you want me to roll oh, out? Yeah, what I've go been for it. To? Oh, also, one, one before I leave. We also did, uh, we watched Trolls World Tour, which is kind of connected oh, to, you know, music because it's all about music. It was a big hit with uh, the we, kids. We, we were going to watch that. Yeah. Is it good? It is good. It's I mean, pretty funny. Okay. Yeah, it's funny and it's filled with stuff that's like funny for adults and like Ozzy, oh, see, Ozzy oh, Osbourne good. is in it. There's tons of like, can't like nice. vocal, you know, cameos and stuff by famous people and like Mary J and like all sorts of people darkness. like have have little cameos so it's pretty nice fun. so there's like a plot line for adults that yeah it's know. like one of those underlying adult good. plot lines well, good. in the kids movie that's that justifies a 20 dollar rental on amazon uh, oh my word we saw, so this Jed, is a new release we saw, correct we well it hasn't been released it didn't get released because of COVID. corona 
So this was what would be in the movie theater yeah. right now. Yeah, they missed their uh, they okay. missed yeah. their like we, pull, know, we pulled up days. on the twenty dollars thing and we're like, you know what? Yeah, premium. How, how about that stupid that thing we always watch? They've been asking me for like wow. weeks to watch it because they've been watching the like pre. We'd been planning on going to the theater, but we were like, you know what? Like homemade popcorn and a twenty dollar movie. It's cheaper than going to the Still theater. Cheap. Yeah, like we'll do it. Still cheap. We had a great time. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right, uh, Rob, what's on the box? So, kind of crazy. Um, obviously, I've been digging into some stuff and trying to dig into some stuff that I've never listened to. And the guy I work with said, hey, have you ever heard of this dude? He just dropped the album today. You should listen to it. It's cool. His name is R.A. The Rugged Man. And it's kind of like this underground hip-hop super impressive um like similar to like the old school stuff that i grew up on cool um boogie down productions epmd stuff like that um and or even even like a like a um tribe called quest like some of those influence as well for instance chuck d guests on one of his tunes and when you got chuck d guessing on a tune Somebody's got to think you're pretty damn good. So I started listening to that. And then I was like, I'm going to dig into some underground rap. And I remember somebody telling me, you should listen to Mac Miller. I started listening to this oh, shit. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I listened to this album called Circles. That dude was a talented son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. Yes, I was, he was like, wow. Have you watched the uh, the Tiny Studio or the Tiny Desk Studio no. thing? Seen those, oh, yeah. go, go, do those? The, go go watch the Mac Miller tiny desk. It's awesome. He is a talented motherfucker. So Drew, a little background. You know, he's gone. He OD'd. And um at 26, pretty highly respected artist, and then even producer. He produced under a pseudonym. Um, I can't remember what it was, but I read his bio after he OD because it just intrigued me. And he started like playing instruments at like four or five years some ridiculously young age and by the time he was like eight played the guitar bass drums keyboards like everything Mm -hmm. and for whatever reason he fell into hip-hop and he's like i'm going to focus on this he was like rhyming well and could lay it down obviously and had a distinct style and then he i think he released like a a mixtape in somebody in the business got a hold of it and was like this dude this kid's fucking good Grew up in Philadelphia, I believe, mm-hmm. and he signed a contract and then just proceeded to blow the fuck up and bought a bag, bad bag of freaking drugs with fentanyl in it, and that was it. Yeah. But he struggled with addiction, and it's like really kind of true from the heart shit. It's, it's, yeah, I he's know, got some soul cool. for sure. So he definitely does. Lay a name on this again. Who was that? Mac Miller. Mac Miller. Yeah, he's he's chalked up in like the even if you don't like hip hop, you should like give him a try kind of kind of a guy. I don't really have much hip problem with hip hop. No. So, um, but some people, you know, just think like, oh, I don't like hip hop, so I'm not gonna like or anything else. I I don't like country. You know, I don't I don't like a lot of country, but I'm I love blue. I like country. Um, (laughs) I'm kidding. Uh, Listen to some 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 Billy Strings. 
<laughs> uh, Fucking Billy Strings. There he is again. There he is again. I have no idea who that is. Um, mm. You kind of should. I should. Should I? Yes, You're not you really should. a bluegrassy kind of guy, though. But he's, no. I mean, there's some, there's uh, uh, some market talent. He's got, yeah, he's, he's a virtuoso. He's just a brilliant. Absolutely. Brilliant. Yeah, of, of course you can, get, you can get into whatever. If if, if the guy's good enough. <laughs> I mean, I took Karen to go see Return to Forever. which was, you know, all of Miles Davis' disciples. and uh, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Basically aliens from another planet. That yeah, landed, that had that absolutely had played same. jazz. It was Chick Corea, uh, Stanley Jordan. Uh, yeah. um, oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, it was a lineup that was just ridiculous. But in any case, yeah, it was insane. It was at Chicago Theater. And afterwards, she was like, Tell me Dennis Chambers was playing on the drums. Uh, was it Dennis Chambers on drums? Um, Dude, he's such a fucking star. No, Lenny Jesus White. Christ. Lenny White. Okay. He's a pretty stud, too. Pretty much stud, too. So, um, so in any case, uh, I don't know what that is. And I've been, but if oh, you, I mean, if you go see a virtuoso of anything, then, yes, you're going to enjoy it. I mean, for sure. I mean, no doubt. With Drew, real quick, what's on the box? Let's get let's get this segment done. Yeah, uh, nothing's really on my box. I can't remember anything that I've been listening to. Uh, <laughs> to tell you the truth, uh, except getting ready for these albums. And uh, see, I can't really say. Oh, I listened to a lot of Cubs replay games last week. In uh, route to uh, uh, them playing Game Seven of the World Series last night, which I listened to again. Nice which nice. was brought it all back. I got to admit. Yeah, that's got to be a fun way to I mean, uh, spend the, the quarantine time. Some of the most. The night it happened. Some of the most the, the night gut-wrenching. It, the night it happened, you know, it was gut-wrenching, but I was also watching the TV. I wasn't listening to the radio. Yeah, yeah, me too. But, uh, but, uh, um, me as well. But so when it, when it went down, I, okay, so, Chris Bryant throws the final out. I run upstairs, you know, because, you know, I, it's like midnight at this point, you know, after the rain delay. I run upstairs and, and wake up. Wasted. And yeah. wake up. <laughs> and I were partying that and day. I was not. I was straight up. And, uh, and I'm like, hey, they won, they won. And then I go running out into my street and I'm like, whoa, they won. Yeah, and I, yeah, I did the same thing. I was the only fucking person in my entire neighborhood. <laughs> Yeah, it was no, yeah. no, 
Yeah. It's a damn travesty. The thing is, some yeah. guy, everyone was like fireworks started immediately well, in the, our neighborhood. Some guy lit Absolutely. off a, a couple of fireworks, even though after the NL uh, championship, the guy lit off a fuckload of fireworks. You know, it's like, uh, so, you know, I mean, <laughs> So we'll see. Fuck that guy. Yeah. It's, uh, so in any case, exactly. so so the thing is, and here's, a, here's the strange the, thing. The first World Series so here's the strange thing. It's like my mom starts texting me after they win. And it's like, oh, God. And like, and like, she's like, oh, I bet you're excited they won. And like, but the thing is, no one else is texting me. So I'm like texting my mom back. And then my mom is, so I'm like, oh, I'm running right. around yelling around the neighborhood, texting my mom. And uh, it was, you know, all very strange and weird and exciting. All right. All right, guys. So uh, why don't we take a break here before we get down to the main entertainment of discussing Pearl Jam's 10. And uh, we'll uh, see you in a couple of minutes after these important messages. See you shortly. everyone we want you to submit your formative four tell us the musical seeds that set you on your path and we might review one of your albums right here on the air you can get on our blog at musicchallenge.fireside.fm or email us at musicchallengepod at gmail.com also you can slip into our dms at musicchallengepod on instagram come as close to four as you can but if you need more or less that's all right too remember musicchallengepod at gmail.com and you can hear us discuss one of your albums. And all right, we're back to the Music Challenge podcast. We'd like to remind you that you can email us at musicchallengepod at gmail.com or you can get a, I've been posting some kind of weird stuff, uh, on Instagram at uh, uh, Music Challenge Pod. Just check into that and uh, follow me. Join me. We'll get down with it. Uh, we actually won't get down with it. I just post little funny videos. That's all. Uh, and and call us with your or or email us. Call us. Uh, email us with your formative four. Um, yeah. Or even if it's just one. Um, think about it. Don't don't do it quickly. Um, I had to stop myself, but it'd be fun to to hear and see other people's. Yes, uh, they are, I mean, they're, they're all, all pouring gonna... me in too. We had to open up a special post office box um, at the <laughs> Chicago <laughs> yeah, Library. We can't well, read them. So many people are buying stamps that they're writing yes, in. Yes, <laughs> right, right. we've had. We've we've had to we've had to hire people to I read mean, these. Basically, it's Cold the same group them. who opens up Grateful Dead ticket orders and Santa's Santa's mail. Uh, exactly, people who are Absolutely. working through fish mail order. Yeah, uh, which which actually people. never happened on paper, but um, no. so but they're under three feet tall. They wear curly shoes. 
Oh. Sorry. Okay, Rob. Uh, so, actually, Jed, uh, why don't you tell us about... Hey there. Oh, hairdresser Jed. Describing an um, Why don't you... Uh, uh, why don't you tell us about Krill Jam 10? Oh. Okay. Well, what do I say about it? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I picked this as one of my... One of my formative four... And uh, I was introduced to this album when I was 11 years old. I, uh, it was the first album when I like went to the store with my own money and bought. I had, uh, my parents had given me a yellow, you know, sports Walkman for Christmas that year. And the yellow says sports. This is great. The the yellow with like the, yeah, I mean, I was like, I could do anything with that. I mean, it was so much better than the other ones. It took you in but another anyway, world too. I mean, right? But I only had yeah, I, I, I had I had a couple I had I had a couple albums that I like ran out and just like bought with Christmas money. I bought uh C and C Music Factory because nice. I just saw Everybody it and liked the label and it was mm-hmm. kind of hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh and some warrant cherry pie, which is Hell, just yeah. I think I, everyone, you know, probably knows why I got that, because uh, I was an eleven year old boy. But moving for, on from that which I was just going out and reaching for an album and, and buying it. Meaning um, you were, uh, I was just looking, it, at, the, was just looking oh, at the cover okay, and being okay. like, huh, you were enticed, this looks enticed interesting. Cover, right? But I did, you know, I, I, I hadn't been listening to any of it. So I was just exploring. Uh, curious. And then, yeah, uh, I understand. But, curious. But, but yeah, Pearl Jam 10, I, for my birthday that year, my brother, uh, he get, gifted me, a ride along trip to Steamboat, Colorado oh, for spring break. In a, in a in a in a bus with like twenty of his friends. So Whoa. like I was like the eleven year old kid that just got to like tag along with like on the party bus to how old your to brother skiing. or how much older is he than you? He is 12, 13 years older than Wow. Me. So you're hanging. So with he was in college. In there. You're hanging with some people in their groove at that point at 11? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And like, that explains knew, a lot. So he, he knew that I could, you know, he knew that I could keep up on skis and that like I would sure. really be stoked. So he just like got my parents in on the, on the, on the gag and like brought me along. So heading out to, to Colorado, I, I run to the store. And I had listened, I had like heard a little bit of Pearl Jam, but didn't really know too much about it, but you know, I wanted to explore it. So I grabbed sure. Pearl Jam 10 and I grabbed a, uh, a Pogues, If I Should Fall nice. from the Grace of God, which is another one of my favorite albums. Huh, I've never heard um, of it. <laughs> Anyways. <really. laughs> so, That's but anyway, I had, and then I had, and then I had, uh, and then I had the 1980 Aerosmith Greatest oh, Hits album. You and I'll admit that, that, that album was, sucks. Those were, I'll admit. <laughs> that was the three. Folks, that was the three albums that I was taking oh, to God. Colorado. No, no, Boston I was on to LP. Talk about, I refuse to talk about Aerosmith except in a negative way on this podcast because I know ninety-five percent of you can't stand him either. But anyways, go, go ahead. Then they're gonna hate the last podcast. So I listened to basically. I, I listened to basically that. <laughs> that Aerosmith and uh and Pearl Jam album like the entire way out there. And nice. uh, you know, like by the time we pulled into Steamboat, like I was just listening to that Pearl Jam album and uh and I'm sure most everyone just, else was, it like you know, it kind of sang to me is just yeah, I mean it just it 
it struck a chord, you know. So, was, so how like, big was the, that was album big. at this time? At, at the time you were cruising. Steamboat. What year is this, Jed? This was two thousand eleven, or no, two thousand eleven. It was nineteen ninety one. I'm just gonna convert that to. Go ahead. Jed, yes, right. thank you. Thirty Jed years. I'm still shocked that I'm over forty. Um, so yeah, that was nineteen ninety one, in like you know spring right, or whatever. Right. And uh, yeah, like I don't think like it, it. It was sort of slow to build this out. Like this album took a while. It's like it was kind of a like a slow grower. Well, I they, think in the in the U.S. market, it just kind of kept, kept releasing. Yeah, well, I, mean, I was I was eleven, single, so I didn't really single after single, and it was on the charts. Yeah, they pulled like multiples ever. I mean. Right, and uh, oh, it was and, on the charts for like five years. Alive was what launched them. Yes, yeah, and, and that's uh, what was popular and, when I first saw them. I was I was out or just had graduated high school when this record came out and I heard alive and I was like who and what the hell is that and this is the tail end of MTV being an influential right. like music engine if you funny know. how those coincided when they still played right when they still played music videos they still had 120 minutes and headbanger fall stuff like that like quality music programming, right? On television. Quality music um, programming. And Go ahead. It, it really was. <laughs> I mean, it, think about the BBC and what they've done with music over the years. And we had MTV for a minute, and now it's just hot garbage. But anyways, um, so they were obviously like, you know, ratty looking and not trying to look pretty, speaking of warrant. I bought this record and I was blown away. 
by not, you know, the Elides and the Eden Flows and the Jeremy's, but by the I gardens and the say. porches <laughs> in yes, you know, the the why go yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I literally have written here why go black oceans garden deep dude, and release because like those I mean, are those release, are the ones for me you know amazing tunes and they all catch you at different times as you listen to the record and i remember listening to release and being like it's just brilliant like it's so like i i could walk around and have this playing behind me for the rest of my days yeah, yeah. you know it's just like it's cool and and like it, it, it really is yes i mean some some of like the harmonic playing in in on this album is just like that that strikes a chord with me over the long term like when i look Absolutely. back at what i've i've come to acknowledge and enjoy like those are the kinds of like directions i feel like like where i went from from this album more than the the lives and like because there, there was enough of that like but not everyone right. was was playing this other stuff absolutely it was exploratory and fun you and know like that's, a little bit psycho psychedelic you know yeah, it gets to places bluesy. for sure Right. And you think about like Mike McCready, dude, his tone dude. is still in his tone is freaking amazing, man. Like bluesy and you can hear other influences and SRV influences and Hendrix and Hendrix for sure. Then, I like, mean, the way um, the way he can snarl up behind like a, you know, like in a rhythm type way, like he's just snarling, like take even flow or take even sure. flow or something like that. We're like, you know, there's this whole do, 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 but and he is just wailing over the top of that.
it, oh, just yeah. wailing and over the top. It's the story of him and how he was invited to play with Pearl Jam is so legendary. You know, obviously Pearl Jam um, grew out of the like ashes of Mother Love Bone, who was amazingly talented and ended too short. Andrew Wood was a freaking amazing artist in like almost a Robert Plant-esque front man. I mean, that dude had some fucking character. But anyways, um, so those boys graduated to Pearl Jam and they they found Mike, Mike McCready at like a house party up in somebody's bedroom just wailing on the guitar with people in there like, holy shit, listen to this dude. Right. And they're like, hey man, want to play in our band? Right. <laughs> and he's like, why not? You kind of you wonder history, how so many talented people actually get stuck in the same zip code at one time, you know, I mean... Right. I don't know if I've ever met a, met a talented guitarist yeah. in my life compared to like Mike McCready or anything like that, you know? Totally. And he moved there, my understanding is, in for him to pick that place at that time, all I just think that whole situation, Seattle was like lightning it in was. a bottle. I compare like Zeppelin oh, and Pink Floyd to lightning in a bottle, fucking fish to lightning in a bottle. But that whole scene that came out of there was like the right people in the right place at the right time, the right point in music. It, it's really well, I mean, I it changed. fascinating. Yeah, I don't it want to bore you guys with It that. changed music for sure because, uh, I mean, the day before, like Nirvana and Pearl Jam came out, hair metal was still all the rage. And it, 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 oh, yeah. Like, like, quiet Poison Riot, Poison, Cinderella. Yeah. And it was just like the day that like, Kurt Cobain showed up on the scene. I think his the single came out first. I'm just saying, is like, right? It, that is it. It's I like mean, that's that stuff it. looks ridiculous compared. Oh, compared it, to the, it, it makes it look absolutely ridiculous, and, and he's almost yes, he's almost aping it in a way that is cooler than what they're doing. Well, it is cooler than what they're doing, and more thoughtful and. Uh, more creative, but um, then and then I saw, and that's the order in which this all fell out with me on MTV was "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Holy crap, what is that? And then the next video they play is Pearl Jam right. Alive, and I'm like, holy crap! Right, because because I th I thought that fall was I I thought when I saw um, my first Pearl Jam show, well, my only was, I saw. Listen, listen to this, folks. This is legend. So I saw at the Illinois State Student Union, I saw uh, the, Bone the Bone Student Center. Student Center. I saw Pearl Jam open up for Smashing, open this. up for Smashing Pumpkins when Billy Corgan still had long hair. Oh, oh open up, for, open up for Red Hot Chili Peppers on the. Unbelievable, Bill, or, or something. Like that. Holy no, that was blood okay, sugar. Okay, yeah, sex you're magic. right. Blood sugar, sex magic, which would have made me about a freshman, so, uh, or a sophomore. But in, in any case, um, uh, and the thing is, I wasn't. I was aware of Pearl Jam. The fact that they just had a, a video on MTV for a couple of weeks, also that you know. Right. They were kind of rumored to have this like very intense live scene going on, and, Correct. and uh, you know, and it, it was shown in the a live video, I think, where he jumps in the crowd and whatever else, and and he and he's climbing right, and, and he actually did that at the show I was at, whatever, whatever, 
and um they got to play for like 50 minutes you know uh whatever i couldn't even tell you exactly what they played they weren't really why i was there we could find out yeah we could find out sure who are you there to see right no because i mean that was almost uh, you were there to see the pumpkins who were just firing on all cylinders tour bro i saw that tour and they ripped my freaking head off i needed a new face when i walked out of that thing exactly and there's there's some prolific ass freaking players right there dude just like watch this i'm not turning it yeah there's a lot of unapologetic guitar playing that night and um you know i mean one of the world's best okay one of the world's best bass players are in the house flea uh Probably, sure. probably one of the Absolutely. world's best songwriters. I mean, it's really hard to deny Billy Corgan as a great, great songwriter. As much as I'd like to, I mean, he, he's really good at it. <sighs> and, mean, it and he's not. Yeah, he's not the. He's not the most um, self-deprecating of individuals. But <laughs> likable, exactly. Well, Bob Dylan is he um, likable, really? But, not really. Oh, definitely not. So. I mean, he needs to be likable. <laughs> for, uh, but Billy Corgan, if you wrote music, Billy like that, Corgan, right? part of his shtick is to not be likable. Oh yeah, you know. I mean, I almost feel like I'm falling for it when. And we are. I mean, and that's what he's trying to do. It's funny as I sit where I stand right now, and Billy Corgan grew up four miles from here, and I was talking about this with Autumn today. And I said, similarly to Kurt Cobain, they were like minimalized and like almost picked on as kids, right? So when all of a sudden they're writing this, they were, well, all of a sudden they're writing this prolific rock and roll and people are like, oh, you're great. And they're like, wait a minute, a year ago I was a bum, right? So it's got to build some animosity. But, um, at the, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But anyways, um, well, it should be. I mean, I think. I, mean, I think, I think you had, 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 the, the second this, the second this was at at a point in a scene where like it was really. I think they were like feeling a little jealousy or looking down on someone who was going to end up being eventually successful. Like you know, like possibly like Cobain called out Eddie Vedder and called him a sellout in the, the Pearl Jam. Sure was selling out you know like the standard the standard shtick and like well when you're like living on you know an apartment with like six guys on mattresses like and someone right. offers you like a million dollar deal like are you gonna say Eating no? roller dog exactly <laughs> to do something that you yeah, love six, okay. do you guys want to like record like six records and go on if world tour if someone puts ride, a, like, live like a bum and eat macaroni every day over, exactly you want to keep eating roller dogs here at the Seven Eleven. <laughs> if someone puts a loaded wallet to your head you're usually forced to do whatever they say so pretty yeah. much and and it was that was kurt's deal too was like he he almost couldn't stand himself because he made money and that was like, I don't know, he was supposed to not be a sellout, but I want to hear your stuff. And so does everybody else. We all think you're a great artist <laughs> and we'll pay you to continue to do it, you know? And with like that kind of struggle comes amazing art. Um, we've talked yeah, about we've, we've... it. It's a fine line. It is just a fine line. I heard this recently it, to go back to John Prime. Um, 
RIP. But anyways, um, I'd read a quote from him that said, songwriting is an interesting thing. And if you don't capture it when it's coming, it's gone. So you got to know, you got to capture it. And I thought about that. And as it comes to these guys, like they're, they have to be like, find a guitar, find a piano, like find a piece of paper. Oh yeah. So I don't lose this. And it's, it's a cool, it's cool. If somebody knows that I never thought about it in that capacity, but obviously these great songwriters realize that and something pops into their head and they stop what they're doing. Uh, yeah, down or yeah, it's out, art. You know? It's art, writing art in general. general is like yeah, that. it's like because you, sure. you spend so much time wondering what to write that when something actually does come into your head, you're like, yeah, strike right. me that iron's hot. Much less, um, right? You know, the best ideas aren't the ones you labor over for days and days. Like the best idea will just come into your head in a split second, and you'll know it's the best idea. Um, right? You know, that's but it doesn't always putting yourself in motion yeah, to do the it, thing it doesn't so always think, don't know if it's the hardest part about when, it but uh so in any case maybe we should swing this back to pearl jam here somehow I'm yeah gonna, so let's get back there. to pearl i'm jam. going to take nice a, man bun thank you which is thank you so i just put my hair up <laughs> thank you thank you um but part of the reason why obviously we pick these records is because they take us on these tangents and i love these tangents but we got to get back to task at hand i think we've only got about 15 more minutes before we uh are gonna get rung up again by this thing so jed back to you um live pearl jam what are your what's your experience with seeing them i've never seen them i uh this is and and this is this is the crazy thing is that like this album was super influential but like i think it happened so early that well yeah i was i was concerts yeah i was and i was in i was in a different place when like you know, it was blowing up and I could have. Sure. And then sure. by then it was like, I think I also didn't know the kind of scene that it was. Like, I think I, if I had started there instead of other places, I probably would have been more into it. Stopped seeing. But yeah, oh, I was, like, I was I doing it. like little tiny concerts at like bowling alleys and stuff, you know, for like a long time. Sure. Like, like right, punk right, shows right, kind right of deal point. or post-punk stuff? Like yeah, like punk and ska shows at like, right. yeah, like Fireside and Metro. And Where was Fireside? Like little tiny. Fireside Bowl in Chicago. In the city, was it in? Is it in like uh, Wicker Park or something? Or I don't know where Fireside is. To be it was, honest, it was on the north side. It was, um, oh God, not no, familiar. Uh, in the city, it was a kind of a legendary place to see. Yeah, it was a bowling. Uh, it was a just a bowling alley that like right. they weren't making any money with bowling, so they opened it up to like punk kids, and they I would mean, do like it was probably indie bands when I lived in the city because I mean. That's when you would have been coming of age. Yeah, like mid nineties. Yeah, yeah, like midnight. Ninety four, ninety five, ninety six. That's when I moved. That's when we lived there. I think they closed. I think they, they, they eventually closed down. But yeah, that, that was a, that was a fun place. I remember going in there as like a fourteen year old, being like, "Holy shit!" Like they used to have all ages shows, a, and it was great. This is a thing that I can do. There's no chance that you didn't see my buddy's band gauge because they used to play there and they were like pretty prolific in the chicago post-punk like hardcore scene oh i'm and sure really I talented i'm sure you saw them. yeah i'll have to go but they used to play go at back and bfw halls and 
church uh, rec rooms and stuff. it was fun. yeah that, like that was such a weird time where like you're you're going to a barn to see a, a show and stuff like exactly. all, all over the place it was it was a wild time it was like like the the rock version of raves kind of you're like going For to sure. this like underground thing and yeah it felt very so i guess i can see like if if that was the scene in seattle and like that's what what they were kind of coming up on like oh it had really to be. small time it had to be. Sure. And like you know, really being into putting out material, quality I material. I, I can see how you'd be a little jaded if someone someone takes off ahead of you. Absolutely, I guess. And you know, paying people, I'd pay five bucks to go see them play at a VFW hall gladly. Obviously, um, I wasn't buying booze, but everybody was there to see him play. Everybody yeah. was there. Yeah, it didn't music. matter. Though. I mean. They played with Green Day multiple times in Chicago. People's basements, for, for Christ's sake. They would have house parties. And Green Day and Gage would play in some <laughs> basement in Downers Grove. Seriously, it's yeah. crazy. Okay, I didn't yeah. realize we were still talking about Gage. Um, <laughs> Sorry. we switched over to Pearl Jam again. Um, yeah, so we're trying to switch back. It would be awesome if we could see about, Pearl Jam in a basement. What about, um, did you tell your first? Pearl Jam show, Mine? Story, Rob. Yeah, you're. I did not. No, I did yeah, not. My first pro, my first Pearl Jam show was '92, Maui, Hawaii, and so I had had just discovered. Yeah, it was horrible. Um, I had just discovered, like I said, Nirvana, <laughs> Pearl Jam, and Smashing Pumpkins, among other things. Um, and my parents took me. I went to college there for the first two years of school, and my parents took me stayed for like two three weeks and then left and i was there at 17 all alone but my mom was in town and saw at the local record store that they were selling tickets for a pearl jam show and she called me woke me up and she's like hey should i get two tickets i'm like what hell yeah you should so i bought the 10th and 11th ticket to see pearl jam at the war memorial gym which was a high school gym in maui hawaii that is awesome there were probably 250 people there. Oh, and so that's basically, that's exactly what we were talking about. Like, like the scene here as that, that's sure. what we were dealing with then that like small time being on tour, playing a gym. Nobody was into rock and roll there. They were all into reggae, which is cool as hell. But um, funny thing is, is I had tickets to see the red hot chili peppers previous to that. And they didn't sell enough tickets. So they said, screw it. We're not going. And when Pearl Jam came out that night, they said, um, we heard the Red Hot Chili Peppers canceled on you. We were coming if we sold 10 tickets. Everybody freaked, obviously, because these are half of them bought tickets to see the Chili Peppers. And Pearl Jam proceeded to just throw it the fuck down. And after that, I was like, I will see live music all the time, every time. And then it created me now. So it was a pretty formative point in my life with live music. And I had seen shows previous to that, but nothing that moved me that quickly. I was like, holy crap, these guys are good. Yeah. I mean, I mean, shit, they, they unleashed themselves like a bag of cats, you know, like when they, when they decided to, you know, put the gasoline on the fire. I mean, it is there for sure. And they're going to throw down. And frankly, I would love to see these stadium versions. I mean, I saw a, a tiny theater version of Pearl Jam. And uh, right. I'd like to, I don't even believe it's the same lineup anymore. 
it's not. Well, there is, there's like a, there's a, is there a taping? Scene? There's, there's a pretty decent, prolific taping scene, isn't there? Oh, also absolutely. And there's a prolific taping scene for the pumpkins too. So they, they've released a ton of, ton of their stuff similar to like, you know, widespread fish that they've self-recorded from their soundboard in like remaster or whatever yeah. produced. And there's a ton of it and it, it varies in like quality as far as, but they, I mean, they do the work, they play live all the time. I don't necessarily like the fact that they continue to buck, um, to their own image doing what they're good at. <laughs> yeah. They, they, I don't know why they fight that they're good at making music in a certain way and they try to make it less accessible almost. Now I think I mean, they've and I'm talking, given you plenty of access to it. Uh, well, no, I'm I'm just saying they don't they don't play to their strengths because they, it's weird. They lost me after probably Vitality. Well, yeah, and, me too. That's where I'm at. But but like I never kept it, up with it because I listened. But like to they almost had the pumpkins kind of thing right. where, where like he didn't want to be that popular. He did. I mean, he simply didn't right. want to be that popular. So it's like we're not going to write the pop hooks anymore because we don't want to be that popular. And and you think about Corgan in the way that dude could write a riff. I mean, it was Jimmy Page. Ask for Christ's sake, that dude could write a riff. Yeah. And he just. I mean, Jimmy Page knew he could write a riff, so he wrote fucking riffs. Billy Corgan write riffs. You know, like. But we're talking about know. the Pearl Jam. You know. It, Agreed. You know, it's like, like you know, it's, where's the riffs? I mean, it didn't sound like Pearl Jam much anymore. Um, right, exactly. And they could, I mean, um, Stone Gossard and Mike McCready could write riffs. Check it out. And I don't know. Oh, Jed's head completely disappeared. It was awesome. Oh, wow. Oh, behind his big No, no, not behind mic. his big thing. It just, oh, it's whoa. Oh, oh, yeah. The headless horse I'm headless. Thing. Wow. Whoa. Wow. It is because of the mic, though, because I think the camera picks up the mic. And yeah, and I'm wearing a hat, and it picks up the, uh, the right? dark. That's pretty exciting. When you do it, when, Andrew, when you do it, I see, like, the, the back here, the, the room Ooh, behind if it. If I do this, that's actually make my head lift it, You're lifting up the veil a little bit, letting us peek in. That's real life. <laughs> it's real life. Oh, dude, you do, have, you do have half a head. You look like the T2 Terminator. Yeah, after someone hit me at the golf club. Uh, exactly and then you repair yourself all right well we just got a, a couple more minutes here before uh we're gonna get cut off okay so right. um closing thoughts on pearl jam 10 uh take it away first uh, uh jed wow okay. uh, Go ahead, yeah jed. sorry man um you know i think for for me that this album like it it's some like and the, the band itself just kind of sums up like it's like the I wrote nostalgia through the ages because like when I was a kid, it, it sang to sort of this like adventurous, like badass spirit and it inspired like what I wanted to be as like an 11 year old boy. Like it's like really tough record. And, uh, but, like, you know, it, it continued to age like with me gracefully. And so like, I would come back to it and it's one of those albums that like I still listen to and I'm 40 and like, it still plays collectively as just like a beautiful piece of music it has no age on it whatsoever yeah there's no age on it it's just totally current for me and like it always has felt that way it never felt out of place 
if, like not no matter what I'm listening to. Not at all. I mean, it's outside only, of it. It sounds like here's the best of how someone did this at the time. In my opinion, in my opinion, they, they were more talented than Nirvana, even though I mean, they were more refined than Nirvana. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Lots of it's hard to really, you know, Dave Grohl's a talent quotient that can can hardly be measured in Nirvana, but um, and he was the glue that held that band together because he did what he could do. They were able to be almost sloppy, but so yeah. soulful, so soulful. Um, all right, well, we're gonna take it away from here, and uh, appreciate you guys throwing in your. Uh, your fantastic five cents on uh, Pearl Jam 10. And uh, no problem, man. Oh. Thanks, Drew. Yeah, in my Zoom, my Zoom living room. Yeah. Absolutely. As, Thanks for letting me go off on my tangents, Drew. Ah, uh, no problem, Rob. I'll, I mean, I'll just edit them out. Don't worry. <laughs> of course, I won't edit that out now. So I was just going to say, you got to edit that out too. Nope. Right? All right, man. <laughs> nah. I, I have editor's privilege. The editor always looks good. So, all right. Uh, take it easy, guys. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode, which could be soon. Okay. See you guys later. Thanks. Bye.